Our text for this morning's sermon is taken from the Gospel lesson with special emphasis on the following words of Jesus. Temptations are sure to come. This is our text. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, my wife Darlene and I enjoy hiking along paths up in the mountains or in the woods. From time to time, one of us, while failing to pay attention to ourselves due to a, a great view or some wildlife in the area, or maybe an eagle, will trip on a protruding rock from the path. Jesus uses this image when he says, in speaking of our hike on the path of faith, temptations to sin are sure to come. The word that Jesus uses here is the Greek word scandalon, and like it sounds, it's the Greek word for scandal. A scandalon is a stick, a stone, or a rock on a path that causes a person to trip and fall. Now, walking through the rocky, uneven path of this life in which sin doubt, disease, and death are strewn all over the place, there are no shortages of things that cause us to trip and fall on the path of faith. Temptations to sin are sure to come. But just as surely, a day is coming when all temptations for sin will be gone. Every scandal removed. And there will be no more falling. No more. Only rising. Rising to be welcomed home by the the Lord Jesus Christ and perfectly reconciled to God and every brother and sister in Christ. That's what we have to look forward to. But until then, (laughs) pay attention to yourselves. Pay attention to yourselves. Pay attention because temptations are sure to come. Scandals that, like rocks in a path, cause you and others to trip and fall on your hike on the path of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus itemizes three scandals to our faith, three sticks or stones or rocks on a path that cause you and others to to trip, to wobble, and even to fall flat on your face. The first has to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness of a brother or sister who sins against you. That's the first rock, the first scandal on in our hike of faith. Forgiveness of a brother or sister who sins against you. That's why we pray over and over and over again, right? Because this is so difficult. It's, it's such a scandal. We pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, or forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's really hard, isn't it? Especially when what, something, or what someone has done is especially hurtful. But even before that, what does Jesus say that we're called to rebuke a brother or sister who sins? Now that's really hard too, isn't it? It's hard to, to speak up when someone sins. I mean, it's not hard to say if uh, I'm walking on the hike with my wife, uh, hey, look out for that branch, right? Rebuke duck. It's not hard to say that, and I have no problem saying that. When all that's going to do is cause injury, or maybe even you say to someone, um, stop, before they walk into a passing car and get run over. Stop. That's a rebuke. Because we're concerned about someone's welfare. We, we don't want a, them to die a physical death. And yet, isn't it ironic that we could care less about their eternal welfare? We don't say anything often, do we? That's a scandal in the eyes of God. That's, that's a problem. That's a big one. I, I love this quote by Dietrich Ponhafer, who did speak up, by the way, to Hitler when a lot of other people didn't. He said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. So rebuking, calling someone out in their sin is hard, even though it's for their benefit. Even harder, a, a bigger scandal on, if you will, a bigger rock in our path is like I said earlier, is forgiving a brother or sister who sins against you because the roots of what they've done, if they've, they've done something really, really hurtful to you, the, they're like a mulberry tree. That's what Jesus says, right? Now, a mulberry bush or a mulberry tree, it has deep roots. And I, I think about that because my wife wanted me to pull this bush out one time in the, and I just couldn't get it out. In fact, whenever I thought I had it, there was another another uh, a root deeper and deeper, and I'd pull, and it just was, quote, I told her, impossible. And of course, she told me, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, just keep working on it. But it really is impossible, though, for us, isn't it, to forgive when someone has done something so hurtful for, to us. But look what Jesus says. Look what Jesus says, even... And by the way, that's why the, the, uh, the apostles said, well, increase our faith, right? We can't do this. And then Jesus says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, that'll do it. That'll be like throwing a mulberry tree in the, in the sea. Just that little bit of faith. Now, what is he talking about? He's not talking about measuring. When you tap into Christ, you got Jesus doing the digging. Jesus pulling out the, the roots of our sin and death. When the gospel is at work in us, it's Jesus at work in us. And by the way, you never really have it. It's outside of you, right? It comes from outside of us. Christ comes from outside of us through the gospel. We don't, once, sometimes people say, well, now I have it, or like I've, uh, I've learned all about it, now I don't need it anymore. A lot of people know everything about the scriptures and have nothing to do with it. That's not faith. That's an obstacle to faith. Faith is receiving the gifts. So that was the first scandal on, if you will forgiving others as God and Christ has forgiven us. But notice what he says, that you must forgive. 
Jesus says, as I have forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And the only way to do that is to let him be at work in and through you, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second uh, scandal on, the scandal or rock on our path has to do with looking at faith as if it were a quality or virtue within us that makes us lovable to God. And that, you know, gives, makes God favorable to us. If, well, if you just have enough of this faith, so we try and get a bunch of it, and, and, and it's like a virtue, right? And I hear Lutherans all the, way, all, all the time talk about, you know, well, we got faith. Well, faith in who? Faith in what? It's not your faith. It's Jesus. Now, you're saved by grace through faith. You're saved as the word of God comes into your heart and life, but it's, it's not a doing word by you. It's kind of like if you would say, well, my eyes are the power that get me to see light. No, the light comes and shines into your eyes. The, uh, the light comes from outside of you. You see? It's a rock that gets in, in gets you in trouble, trips you up with regard to your life with God and one another when you see it is coming from you. It doesn't. Believing is? That's why I say that all the time, right? It's scriptural. Finally, the third stumbling block to faith is merit. And we've heard this quite a bit, haven't we? This notion that we get what we deserve and that we must earn God's favor by our behavior. Now, deep down, we all believe that everything in life is earned, don't we? I mean, you look around, and that's the way it seems. And at the end of the day, you get a paycheck. Well, that's scandalous in the, in the way of God because you can't do the job. To get what you deserve is to be fired, to be separated from God and one another throughout all eternity. That's why this is such a scandal or a rock in our path. Remember what Jesus said, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. So this is a rock on the path of our faith that makes us to trip and fall. At the end of the day, at the end of your life, at the end of the world, when you have done all that you were commanded on your hike on this path of faith, did you hear what Jesus said to say? He says, say this, we are unworthy servants and have only done what was our duty. And yet, we haven't done even that, have we? None of us has. And then he gives us this, this story, right? Like, you know, when the, the servants are called in from the field, you know, they serve the master first, right? And then they eat later. It would be ridiculous if uh, the master would serve them as they come in because they're the, his servants, right? And, you know, it'd be kind of like going into a restaurant and the, the waiter or waitress comes up and you say, well, have a seat. Let me give you dinner. No, that's not how it works. But ironically, that's how it works in the kingdom of God, with God in Christ. Thank God that you and I serve a different kind of master, the one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many.
to give his life for our salvation. He's the master who calls his servants from the field at the end of the day not to interrogate them over what they've done or not done, not for them to actually wait on him. By the way, that's not why we're here. That's not why we're here. He calls them in to serve them. He calls you in here to do the same thing, to serve you the forgiveness that he won for you in his suffering, death, and resurrection, to make it yours, to give you access to everything you need so that every rock in your path is removed, so that he makes straight the crooked path, so that we're put on the path of him who is the way, the truth, and the life. And then here's the kicker. While we're saying, quote, we are unworthy servants, he's saying to you, <laughs> well done, thou good and faithful servant. How can that be? It's all by grace. You get the benefit of his perfect work. You get the credit for what he has done well, and quite frankly, he's done everything well, everything perfectly. And in Christ, isn't it fascinating that we get praised for what he has done? Let me give you an example. Remember the wedding of Cana in Galilee, his first miracle? They ran out of wine, and behind the scenes, make sure that they have more wine, not just that, but the best of wine. Who got the credit? The very people who for, forgot to order enough wine. That's what our Lord is here to do for you. And not to just give you the best, or to give you more love, more care, but the best of loves, the, a love that never fails, a love that never ends. That's what our Lord is here to serve you here today. By the tree of the cross, every temptation has been removed with this rebuke by Jesus. It is finished. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus rebukes sin. And sin is atoned for when he says, it is finished. It's paid for. I did it for you. And then every millstone that was fitted for our neck, when that happened, every millstone fitted for our neck, because we deserve the millstone, don't we, was removed and placed on the neck of Satan, who was thrown into the sea, drowned in the water of holy baptism through the merits of Jesus' death and resurrection. Oh, temptations are sure to come, aren't they? Yes, they are. But just as surely, a day is coming when every temptation will be gone, every scandal on will be removed, and there will be no more falling, only rising. Rising to be welcomed home by our Lord Jesus Christ and perfectly reconciled with every brother and sister in Christ. Until then, pay attention to yourselves. Amen.
Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and our lives in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.